Lord have mercy. It's show number 92. I think I finally got it right. It is... What is the date? It is Sunday, June the 2nd, 2019. I swear I got the name right this this week. It's show number 92. Here we go. Let's get it going. And good morning. Good morning from Chicago. Uh, It's three in the morning. So my day hasn't ended yet. So it's still Saturday night for me. Anyhow, good morning from the city of Chicago. We're about a thousand feet up. Yes, we're back in the Aeon building. I think I told everyone that a few shows ago. If not, that's where we're at. And guess what? Summer looks like it finally made it. I think it really has. (laughs) This past week I was able to take a look at uh, the trees and green grass. Finally, no rain, no snow, no ice, no danger. (laughs) So yeah, it's uh, Sunday, June the 2nd, and here we are. We made it to the 92nd show. You know, I'm always amazed by how, you know, each each time that we do this, it just, the count continues to go up, and here I am. But it's good to be here. It's I've learned a lot uh, over the years doing this. You know, when I first got started, I had no idea how to even speak into a microphone. And, you know, having professional DJs teaching me how to speak, how to breathe, all of that. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe it's worked. Maybe it hasn't. I don't know. I, I seem to feel better, more comfortable now after. At you know, as we near a hundred shows, so I think last week was Memorial Day, if I'm not mistaken, and yeah, it was. I think it was, yeah, and <laughs> it's early, forgive me, but uh, yeah, the unofficial summer shenanigans are underway officially and it's it's such a refreshing feeling after such a long brutal winter and I know I'm always complaining about the winter (laughs) enough of that how are you hopefully you are doing well and your summer or winter is off to a good start 
I know we have listeners uh, pretty much around the globe now. And thank you for that. Thank you for taking this trip with me, taking the trip with us, Crash, myself, and this this thing that we've been doing. <laughs> you know, and I tell I tell my friends and colleagues that this podcast is really just it, it you know, to me it's a hobby and uh, I enjoy it and I just, uh, you know, I used to, you know, growing up as an old school hacker, I used to listen to a couple shows out there that I w- that really interested me significantly and seriously shaped who I am today. <clears throat> and without those shows and those personalities and people over the years, uh, I don't think that it, I I don't know. It's hard to, hard to, I don't know. It's hard to put a pin on that, but, uh, it's kind of cool nevertheless. And so over the years, as the years have aged and marched on, uh, including myself, I, I, I found that what I was looking for, what I grew up with is actually what I'm doing now. And that's kind of that's kind of <laughs> that's kind of cool when I come to think about it because um, you know I don't I don't listen to the shows after I do them. Uh, I had an e- uh, an email message once asking me, do, you know, do I listen to the shows? And I don't. Uh, once I once I'm done sitting here at the microphone, I'm done. Uh, and um, that's kind of that. So. Uh, hopefully, hopefully that, hopefully the efforts that I've put forward over the years have, are, you know, are easing and, um, you, you are enjoying the show. I, I enjoy doing it and, and I know we have listeners out there because, you know, we can see the amount of bandwidth and all of that. And, uh, it, it, my heart is really overwhelmed with happiness when I get to see just how many people actually listen to the show. And thank you for listening. And thank you for your advice. I really appreciate it. Uh, and so, yeah, so there's a lot to talk about this evening. And one of the... <laughs> I just get these funny feelings when I talk about this. I don't know why, but, uh, you know, last for the last show or so, uh, I've been speaking about the crippling effects of ransomware and what it does to businesses and organizations as well as individuals and I, I you know I sort of got on a tear on the last show about it and so I'm going to speak once again uh, right now on ransomware because and I mentioned the city of Baltimore and how they are still grappling with a city crippling ransomware attack a fiery debate has definitely erupted within the information security community on who is to blame for all of that mess. Uh, so, you know, a story published in the New York Times last weekend uh, claimed that the United States National Security Agency is is partly responsible for helping uh, sp- the spread of um, these digital infections. And so uh, it the report also alleged that hackers used malware dubbed Robinhood paired with um, 
Eternal Blue, a powerful self-propagating hacking tool, allegedly, you know, of course, developed by the NSA to target, you know, mysterious uh, unknown entities. Uh, that seemed to all change, of course, in 2017 when a, a crew or an individual calling themselves or themselves, the Shadow Breakers, uh, went and released the the actual tools that were developed from the alleged NSA. And shortly afterwards, we saw some uh, devastating forms of ransomware, most specifically and memorably would be the WannaCry ransom, right? WannaCry ransomware. Uh, because the NSA lost control of the hacking tool, an alleged key component of the latest ransomware uh, is to say that, of course, that it's the uh, spy agency's fault. Uh, and it's, it's, it's really uh, interesting because, unsurprisingly, the NSA is disclosing responsibility for the fallout. Uh, and uh, a, um, recently a Maryland congressperson said that senior NSA leaders told him there is no evidence at this time that eternal blue played a role in the in recent ransomware infections, uh, including the one in Baltimore. Uh, and of course, uh, the, everybody's got their viewpoints and, and NSA, uh, goes to claim that, uh, if eternal blue truly was, uh, the key to the recent Baltimore attack, uh, that it would appear that uh, Baltimore had for years failed to update its computer systems. Uh, and that's kind of true. That's, that's some good pushback from the NSA's uh, perspective. And also, as we all know, that keeping IT systems up to date and secured is easier said than done. Uh, and of course, Baltimore uh, officials went on to say that um, offices are uh, mostly resource-strapped and uh, the lack of tech expertise in uh available in the it industry is also another point uh and so there's a lot of uh finger pointing and blaming and so forth going on with this baltimore issue and it's still going on uh but that's because their backup files were also encrypted and held hostage and and so this this is this is this is uh, something that really should be taken seriously because we are only going to see more of these types of attacks as criminals begin to understand that this is a, a very powerful and effective tool to use in their arsenal. And I'm sure you do, and uh, everyone that I know does. Uh, it, you most likely have a smartphone. That's probably what you're listening to the show on now is a smartphone. And if you do own a smartphone, uh, most specifically uh, Android or iOS, I don't think iOS comes pre-installed with it, but I know a lot of Samsung phones come with a service uh, called Flipbook board and basically this is an application that comes pre-installed on your mobile device and i believe that you are compelled to create an account with the service and uh, for, for some reason i guess it's to suit and tailor your needs i'm not really sure about that but 
Uh, Flipboard basically is a news aggregation service as well, mobile news app. Uh, and um, most recently, the service has reported a data breach and says that uh, if you have an account that you should go ahead and change your password. So that's just one more thing to consider. And I'll, and it seems one of, one of the most common points that companies are starting to use is, well, it was an API or it was a service or a third-party service or something to that effect. And at most times, that, that certainly is the case because, you know, there's no business out there that's willingly wanting to harm themselves in any regard. But that's one of the interesting points that seems to pop up in front of me is that these third-party services are not following proper data handling security guidelines and that's a whole other show i guess but listen it doesn't get any easier folks because i know whenever i'm in florida or in the south i'll stop at a checkers or a rallies i mean come on that's that's just uh that's how it goes when you're in the south but they have the best hamburgers and seasoned fries ever i know a lot of you listeners may be vegan and all of that but you know, it is what it is. And they've got good food <laughs> and great shakes. Nevertheless, if you've eaten at a rallies or a checkers, you should consider uh, putting fraud alerts on your credit or debit cards. Uh, otherwise, that chili dog might cost you a little bit more than you thought. So it seems that hackers recently infected checkout s systems at more than 100 of the fast food restaurants locations with malicious software that seem to have stolen payment card details. Uh, it seemed that there, there, <laughs> there was some sort of introspective going on here. So it seems that uh, when a cashier would swipe your card to pay for boneless chicken wings or a triple crispy fish sandwich, the fryer would go to work and the hackers would use their hands on your credit card number. The stolen information also included cardholders' names, card expiration dates, and card verification codes. That's interesting why or how a retail shop would take your card verification code. I've never... What, what do I know, right? Uh, it's just another example of how uh, criminals are stealing your data. And so a little diligence goes a long way. And God... Those hamburgers are so good. Well, they called the Big Buford hamburgers. Our Southern people know, right? Uh, and listen, one one last thing before we get off uh, the ground here with the show, because we got a lot of things in front of us. Uh, recently, a U.S. judge has ordered that. I don't even know what the hell his name is. Let's uh, let's just go ahead and skip it. But uh, anyhow, uh, what is social engineering? According to Wikipedia, the so the word the two words is it one word or two words? Nevertheless, social engineering, the use of centralized planning in an attempt to manage social change and regulate the future development and or behavior of society. Also, in the context of information security, it's the use of deception to manipulate individuals into divulging confidential or personal information that may be used for fraudulent purposes. 
And uh, before we run these, before we run these clips, I wanted to say that that was one of the first uh, things that you learn as a telephone freak is social engineering, and that's one thing I was pretty good at as a kid. And so, if you know, it doesn't matter who you are, it really doesn't. It's so easy to infect a company using social engineering techniques. It's almost trivial. It's laughable, really. And it doesn't matter if you're getting scanned every day, if you have real-time intrusion detection systems, any of that. If I have a zero day and a, a great undetectable stub and I create a link, I am going to, well, not me, but if I wanted to, I would just phone whoever I wanted in whatever department and say, hey, you know, I'll call them up. I'll spoof a number. I'll spoof the incoming number. And I'll say, hey, you know, this is Bob over in uh, marketing. Uh, can you see this site right here? I'm having trouble seeing it. Oh, yeah. What's the address? It's uh, blah, 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 dot com. Yeah, I can see it. Oh, great. And all the while, when they tell you that, yeah, yeah, I can see it. At that point, your malware loads and you're able to gain entry into a network and to and or that system so it's super easy and so the dangers of social engineering have always been around since day one it's nothing new it's just it's really a part of information technology and acting come you know being a good actor and having good self-confidence is one of the key components to a great good social engineer yeah, and I've met quite a few over the years. Trust me, I really have. Uh, female and male. And uh, when when you think you are good, trust me, there's someone that can come along and they are just a little bit better than you are. So with that said, uh, if you want to hone in on your social engineering skills, it's quite easy to do. And, you know, seriously, uh, use those skills for something good. Trust me. But these are the these are the things that people do uh, in a bad sort of context, and so uh, the first uh, the first clip's a real short clip. It's a guy um, basically using his social engineering skills at McDonald's. You know, he's hungry. He wants uh, some cheeseburger. He wants a he wants a cheeseburger and some fries. And this is uh, one example of social engineering at work. I got a little more. Hi, what can I get for you? Yeah, I don't know who I, uh, I don't know who I need to talk to. My dad said it, he just called me. He said that he, uh, he came to pick up some uh, snack for me, and you guys forgot two cheeseburgers and a fry. Can you come to the first one, though? Yeah, he uh, he called me from his cell phone, and he just came to pick something up, mm -hmm. and he said that uh, they that he was missing two burgers and a fry. Okay. Josh. Do you have a receipt? No, because he just called me from his cell phone, and he's on the way home. Hmm. Can't talk to him. Alright. Hey, my dad, uh, he said he just picked something up. He's on the way home. I haven't gotten the receipt. He called okay. me on his cell phone. Okay. Um, is there anything you can do about it, or what? Did he call Gary? 
No, he called myself. That okay. one too. What was he missing? What's that? What's he missing? Alright, it was two cheeseburgers and a fry. Okay, normally I'm not supposed to do it without like a receipt or any call from him. But I'll go ahead and do it now. Alright, cool. Thank you very much. Go ahead, pull. Alright, thank you. Another time's a charm. <laughs> go ahead and call to a person or have you thought of what What's that? It's gonna be this one second, can I have you go to the yellow line? Up to the front of the line? The yellow line up there, you see? Oh, okay, thanks. Whatever. Are they just gonna bring the food out to us? Thank you. Have a good day. Give me a receipt for stuff I didn't buy. <laughs> Right, and so that's what one thing that you can do when you are totally down and out and you need a cheeseburger. And it kind of works anywhere, really. Uh, when back in the day, I'm not going to say who, but uh, you could go into, and you probably still can, I don't know. But back in the day, you could basically go into a supermarket, right? I'm not going to name what <laughs> the supermarket, but you could go in and honestly declare that your grandmother left the pack of chicken thighs, uh, you know, behind in a cart. Oh, how much were they? Oh, they were four fifty. You know. Oh, well, just go get you another one. And really, it's you know, if you do that four, four or five times over the course of an hour at different stores, well, guess what? You have a nice gourmet dinner. And so that's one example. That was another example. And so I wanted to share with you a uh, talk by a gentleman. His name is, well, I don't know what the hell his name is, but anyhow, I liked what he was saying and I wanted to share this with you. So check it out. Uh, it was from a TEDx talk in 2012. And I know it seems to be a rather, a little bit dated, you would think, but not when it comes to social engineering, because these are things that you that you perfect and define. And so some of the things that he touches on are, are rather comedic. And I wanted to share it with you. So check it out. Uh, he talks about uh, a, a lot more things on how it's done. Um, I get bored sometimes. room like this has uh, not a lot to offer for entertainment. But for a hacker, it gets a little interesting because that television is not like the television in your home. It's a node on a network, right? That means uh, I can mess with it. If I uh, <laughs> plug a little device like this into my computer, it's an infrared transceiver. I can send the codes that the TV remote might send and some other codes. So what? Well, I can watch movies for free. <laughs> um, that doesn't matter to me so much, but I can play video games too. Uh, hey, but what's this? I can not only do this for my TV in my hotel room, I can control your TV in your hotel room. So I can watch you if you're checking out with one of these, you know, TV-based registration things. If you're surfing the web on your hotel TV, I can watch you do it. Um, 
sometimes you see interesting stuff. Funds transfer, really big funds transfers. You never know what people might want to do while they're surfing the web from their hotel room. But the point is, I get to decide if you're watching Disney or porn tonight. Anybody else staying at the Affinia Hotel? All right. This is a project I worked on when we were trying to figure out uh, the security properties of wireless networks. It's called the HackerBot. This is a robot we built that can drive around and find Wi-Fi users, drive up to them, and show them their passwords on the screen. <laughs> we, just, we just wanted to build a robot, but you know we didn't know what to make it do. So We made the pistol version of the same thing. This is called the Sniper Yagi. It's a... Uh, for your long-range password sniffing action, about a mile away, I can watch your wireless network. This is a project I worked on with Ben Laurie to show passive surveillance. So what it is is a map of the conference called Computers, Freedom, and Privacy. And this conference was in a hotel. And what we did is we um, you know, put a computer in each room of the conference that logged all the Bluetooth traffic. So as everybody came and went with their phones and laptops, we were able to just log that, correlate it, and then I can print out a map like this for everybody at the conference. This is Kim Cameron, the chief privacy architect at Microsoft. <laughs> Unbeknownst to him, I got to uh, you know, see everywhere he went. And I can, show, I can correlate this and show you know, who he hangs out with, when he got bored, hangs out in the lobby with somebody. Anybody here use cell phones? So my phone is calling. Calling. You have one unheard message. Uh-oh. First unheard message. What do I message press? skip. First skipped message. Uh-oh. Main menu to listen to your... You have pressed an incorrect key. You have two skipped messages, three saved messages. Goodbye. Uh-oh. Uh, so we're in Brad's voicemail. Um, and I was going to record him a new message, but I seem to have uh, pressed an invalid key, so we're going to move on. Um, and I'll explain how that works some other day, because we're short on time. Um, anybody here use MySpace? MySpace users? Oh. It used to be popular. It's kind of like Facebook. <laughs> Uh, this guy, a buddy of ours, Sammy, was trying to meet chicks on MySpace, which I think is what it used to be good for. And um, what he did is he didn't see, you know, he had a page on MySpace about him. It lists all your friends, and that's how you know you're, somebody's cool is they have a lot of friends on MySpace. Well, Sammy didn't have any friends. So he wrote a little bit of JavaScript code that he put in his page so that whenever you look at his page, it would just automatically add you as his friend. And it would skip the whole acknowledgment response protocol of saying, is Sammy really your friend? But then it would copy that code onto your page so that whenever anybody looked at your page, it would automatically add them as Sammy's friend too. <laughs> and it would change your page to say that Sammy is your hero. <laughs> so in under 24 hours, Sammy had over a million friends on MySpace. Uh, you know, hey. <laughs> Uh, he just finished serving three years probation for that. <laughs> Even better, Christopher Abad, this guy, another hacker, also trying to meet chicks on MySpace, but having spotty results. 
some of these dates didn't work out so well. So what Abad did is he wrote a little bit of code to connect MySpace to Spam Assassin, which is an open source spam filter. It works just like the spam filter in your email. You train it by giving it some spam, train it by giving it a little bit of legitimate email, and it tries to use artificial intelligence to work out the difference, right? Well, he just trained it on profiles from girls he dated and liked as legitimate email, profiles from girls he dated and not liked as spam, and then ran it against every profile on MySpace. <laughs> Outspits girls you might like to date. I think, you know, what I say about ABAD is I think there's like three startups here. I don't know why we need Match.com when we can have spam dating. You know, this is, this is innovation. He's got a problem, he found a solution. Anybody use these uh, bloop, keys for opening your car remotely? They're popular in, well, maybe not in Chicago, okay. Uh, yeah. So kids these days will drive through a Walmart parking lot, clicking open, 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 bloop. Eventually, you find another Jetta or whatever, just like yours, maybe a different color, that uses the same key code. Kids will just loot it, lock it up, and go. Your insurance company will roll over on you because there's no evidence of a break-in. For one manufacturer, we figured out how to manipulate that key so that it will open every car from that manufacturer. There is a point to be made about this, which I barely have time for, but it's that your car is now a PC. Your phone is also a PC. Your toaster, if it is not a PC, soon will be, right? And I'm not joking about that. And the point of that is that when that happens, you inherit all the security properties and problems of PCs. And we have a lot of them. So keep that in mind. We can talk more about that later. Anybody use a lock like this on your front door? OK, good. Um, I do, too. This is a Schlage lock. It's on half of the front doors in America. I brought one to show you. Um, so this is my Schlage lock. This is a key that fits the lock but isn't cut right, so it won't turn it. Anybody here ever try to pick locks with tools like this? All right, got a few, a few nefarious lock pickers. Um, well, it's for kids with OCD. You've got to put them in there and finick with them and spend hours getting the finesse down to manipulate the pins. You know, for the ADD kids in the house, there's an easier way. I put my little magic key in here. I put a little pressure on there to turn it. Smack it a few times with this special mallet, and I just pick the lock. We're in. It's easy. And in fact, I don't really know much more about this than you do. It's really, really easy. I have a keychain I made of the same kind of key for every other lock in America. And um, if you're interested, I bought a key machine so that I could cut these keys, and I made some for all of you guys. So my gift to you, come afterwards, and I will show you how to uh, pick a lock and give you one of these keys you can take home and try on your door. Anybody use these uh, USB thumb drives? Yeah, print my Word document. Yeah, um, they're very popular. Um, mine works kind of like yours. You can print my Word document for me. But while you're doing that, invisibly and magically in the background, it's just making a handy backup of your My Documents folder and your browser history and cookies and your registry and password database and all the things that you, know, you might need someday if you have a problem. So we just like to make these things and litter them around at conferences. Um, anybody here use credit cards? 
Oh, good. Yeah, so they're popular and wildly secure. Um, well, there's new credit cards that you might have gotten in the mail with a letter explaining how it's your new secure credit card. Anybody get one of these? You know it's secure because it has a chip in it, um, an RFID tag, and you can use these in taxi cabs and at Starbucks. I brought one to show you by just touching the reader. Anybody seen these before? Okay. Uh, who's got one? Bring it on up here. There's a, there's a prize in it for you. Um, I just want to show you some things we learned about them. I got this credit card in the mail. I really do need some volunteers. In fact, I need one, two, three, four, five volunteers because the winners are going to get these awesome stainless steel wallets that protect you against the problem that you guessed I'm about to demonstrate. Bring your credit card up here and I'll show you. I want, I want to try it on one of these uh, awesome new credit cards. Okay. Um, so somebody can, do we have like a conference organizer, somebody who can coerce people into cooperating? It's really, it's by, by your own volition because, you know, okay, so this is, a, this is where the demo gets really awesome. I know you guys have never seen, what's that? They're really cool wallets made of stainless steel. Okay. Anybody else seen uh, code on screen at TED before? Yeah, this is pretty awesome. Okay. Um, okay, great, I got volunteers. So who has one of these exciting credit cards? Okay, here we go. I'm about to show your credit card number only to 350 close friends. Hear the beep? That means someone's hacking your credit card. Okay, what did we get? Valued customer and the credit card number and expiration date. Um, it turns out your secure new credit card is not totally secure. Uh, anybody else want to try yours while we're here? Can you install overdraft protection? Beep. Let's see what we got. So we bitched about this, and Amex changed it so that it doesn't show the name anymore, um, which is progress. You can see mine, uh, if it shows it. Yeah, it shows my name on it, or that's what my mom calls me anyway. Oh, yours doesn't have it. Okay. Anyway, so when next time you get something in the mail that says it's secure, um, send it to me. <laughs> oh, wait, one of these is empty. Hold on. I think this is the one. Yep, here you go. You get the one that's disassembled. All right, cool. Um, okay, I still have a few minutes yet left, so I'm going to make a couple points. Oh, shit. That's my subliminal messaging campaign. It was supposed to be much faster. Okay. Here's the uh, most exciting slide ever shown at TED. This is the protocol diagram for SSL, which is the encryption system in your web browser that protects your credit card when you're sending it to Amazon and whatnot. Very exciting, I know. But the point is, hackers will attack every point in this protocol, right? I'm going to send two responses when the server is expecting one. I'm going to send a zero and it's expecting a one. I'm going to send twice as much data as it's expecting. I'm going to take twice as long answering as it's expecting. I'm going to just try a bunch of stuff, see where it breaks, see what falls in my lap. When I find a hole like that, then I can start looking for an exploit. All right? This is a little more what SSL looks like to hackers. That's really boring. This guy kills a million Africans a year. 
It's an Anopheles stephensi mosquito carrying malaria. Is this the wrong talk? <laughs> this is a protocol diagram for malaria. So what we're doing in our lab is attacking this protocol at every point we can find. Right? It has a very complex life cycle that I won't go into now, but it spends some time in humans, some time in mosquitoes. And what I need are hackers, because hackers have a mind that's optimized for discovery. They have a mind that's optimized for figuring out what's possible. You know, I often illustrate this by saying, if you, you know, get some random new gadget and show it to your mom, she might say, well, what does this do? And you'd say, mom, it's a phone. And instantly, she would know exactly what it's for. But with a hacker, the question is different. The question is, what can I make this do? And I'm going to take all the screws out and take the back off and break it into a lot of little pieces. But then I'm going to figure out what I can build from the rubble. That's discovery. And we need to do that in science and technology to figure out what's possible. And so in the lab, what I'm trying to do is apply that mindset to some of the biggest problems humans have. We work on malaria, thanks to Bill Gates, um, who asked us to work on it. This is uh, how we used to solve malaria. This is a real ad from like the 40s. We eradicated malaria in the US by spraying DDT everywhere. Um, in the lab, what we do is a lot of work to try and understand the problem. This is a uh, high-speed video. We have a badass video camera um, trying to learn how mosquitoes fly. And you can see that they're more like swimming in air. We actually have no idea how they fly. But we have a cool video camera, so we, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, costs more than a Ferrari. Anyway, we came up with some ways to take care of mosquitoes. Let's shoot them down with laser beams. Uh, this is what happens, you know, when you put one of every kind of scientist in the room and uh, a laser junkie. So um, people thought it was funny at first. But we figured out, you know, we can build this out of consumer electronics. It's using the CCD from a webcam, the laser from like a Blu-ray burner, the laser galvos from a laser printer. The, uh, we do the motion detection on a GPU processor like you might find in a video game system. It's all stuff that follows Moore's law. So it's actually not going to be that expensive to do it. The idea is that we would put a like perimeter of these laser systems around a building or a village and just shoot all the mosquitoes on their way in to feed on humans. And uh, we might want to do that you know, for your backyard. Uh, we could also do it to protect crops. Our team is right now working on characterizing what they need to do the same thing for the pest that has wiped out about two-thirds of the, um, uh, I think it's about two-thirds of the orange groves in Florida. So um, people laughed at first. This is a video of our system working. We are tracking mosquitoes live as they fly around. Those crosshairs are put there by our computer. It just watches them, finds them moving, and then it aims a laser at them to sample their wing beat frequency, figure out from that, is this a mosquito? Is it an Ophelis defensi? Is it female? And if all that's true, then we shoot it down with a lethal laser. <laughs> so we have this working in the lab. We're working on that, taking that project into the field now. Um, all this happens uh, at the Intellectual Ventures Lab in Seattle where I work, and we try and take on some of the hardest problems that humans have. Um, and this is uh, the money shot. You can see we just burned his wing off with a UV laser. He's not coming back. <laughs> um, 
kind of vaporized his wing right there. Yeah. They love it. I mean, you know, never got called by PETA or anyone else. I mean, there's, it's, a, it's the perfect enemy. There's just no one coming to the rescue of mosquitoes. Sometimes we overdo it. Uh, yeah, so anyway, um, I'm going to get off stage. This is the Intellectual Ventures Lab where I work. Basically, we use uh, every kind of scientist and one of every tool in the world to um, work on crazy invention projects. So, thanks. Yeah, right? So, isn't that crazy? So, that was another example of, you know, just it just sort of touches on some of the things that we do uh, in, in life. Uh, as uh, you know, well, you get you kind of get it, don't you? <laughs> yes, you do. And lastly, you know, I wanted to share one last thing. You know, for the past two shows, we talked about telephone freaking and all of that. And so I thought I wanted to close it out with this cool little gem. It's basically from the AT&T archives, and it's basically the last days of having a central sw- uh, humans at a central switching office. Uh, and back in the day, they would call these uh, simply central. Uh, and it's basically um, a film about the last few offices in the United States that in the 1970s had yet to convert to the dial system. Uh, Catalina Island, California, Virginia City, Nevada, uh, St. Ignace, Michigan. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, the last switchboard was Bryant Pond, Maine, and that system was uh, taken down in 83 or something like that. So check this out. It's Goodbye Central from the AT&T archives. Check it out. Listen to it. Number please. Hey, what's the story here? There's no dial on the phone. So you don't need a dial in sighting. Everyone knew the phone operator. We used to call her Central. Central was always there, nimble fingers connecting one phone to another, a familiar voice offering personal service. But more customers kept calling, and more, until sheer volume brought about the dial. Central almost faded from the scene. Catalina Island, California is going to be the last Bell Telephone Office where operators still connect local calls. The residents like it this way. For some old-time switchboards elsewhere, the dial tone is sounding. But here, there's no plan or reason to change. The mahogany switchboard was installed on Catalina in 1923. In the resort's heyday, 15 busy operators switched the calls. Just a few provide the same service now. The island's quiet charm matches the personality of its phone service. Gone are the flappers of the jazz era who flocked to the famous Avalon Ballroom. Today's visitors find escape from the crowded mainland, a spot where kids can romp in the open square. 
Catalina retains a way of life, much of the country has passed by. The island community is modern, yet unhurried. Peaceful, somehow serene. Virginia City, Nevada is different. It's growing, and dial phones are coming. Marcella Goodman is an operator there. Virginia City. 561 is the number, sir. I'll ring it for you. When I first started to work in uh, 1949, I don't think we had over 100 telephones. We didn't handle over maybe 30 calls an hour. Now, we handle from all the way from 60 to 80 calls an hour. It's really too busy for one operator. Yet two operators can't work this system because it is not a multiple board. We like to give the best of service, but sometimes we can't. Jack Flanagan is the county assessor. Hello, Marcella. Would you get me the sheriff, please? I was born and raised here. Since a child growing up, I've seen quite a little bit of changes in the town. Way back in the early days, why everything was horse and team drawn. Not too long ago, in Virginia City, we were tearing down old buildings to use them up for firewood. But now we're rebuilding on account of the increase in the population coming into town. The vast movement to the west, why it's starting to end rub off on Virginia City. There's a lot of newcomers coming into town and they just kind of fall in love with Virginia City and want to make their home here. So things have changed quite a little bit. system here in Virginia City. Call up and uh, you never have to bother about giving any number. You just say, uh, operator, give me this Joneses or the Smiths and you get them on the phone. But I think now with the uh, town growing, the girls in the office are really overworked. But the service that the girls have given us in the past has been really wonderful and we're going to certainly miss the operators in Virginia City. St. Ignace, Michigan, like Virginia City, is joining the dial network. Until recently, a glowing lamp still meant a caller on the line. The operators answered, marking circuits with plastic rings. In the peak tourist season, they had trouble keeping up. Calls were recorded on tickets, whizzed overhead on a clattering track. The system stole the operators' time, and they had little time to give. So Western Electric installers have completed a versatile electronic switching system for St. Ignace. Craftsmen wired thousands of connections, linking the millions of components. Hours of testing ensured peak performance on the day the system was placed in service. When all the work was completed, direct local dialing became available for the first time.
calls can be switched instantaneously. Records kept automatically. The new equipment will not only improve service. The complex system also contains the foundation for new telephone conveniences which can be introduced in the future. So the clatter of the old record carrier now is silent in St. Ignace. Operators have recorded their last long-distance call, darkened the last switchboard lamp. Modern electronics can handle the service, but the style was set by Central. Yes, we only have uh, one, two, three, and four digits in St. Ignace. Because we don't have dial system here yet. Well, we have a manual office, and we ring the number for you. A switchboard that works by hand? Yes, we still have it. And of course, that was that was the sadly one of the last days of human operators on a switchboard uh, in the old bell system. And I wanted to, you know, if you followed the previous two shows, you'll you'll know what kind of you know, kind of know what that means. So if you haven't checked out the previous two shows, you should, but then then you'll know what that means, right? And so, with that said, folks, uh, I think that's going to wrap it up for this week. Show number ninety-two. I get it. I get it. I always get you guys beat me up when I say it wrong. Uh, <laughs> check out the events page at our website, hackers.xxx. There's all kinds of things going on there. Uh, and I, uh, you know, I'm going to try to get to one of these conferences sooner or later, sooner than later. I hope I've got a lot of new, interesting things on my plate, uh, these days and I've really been enjoying it. Uh, and, uh, the, the, the nice people that I've been able to, uh, meet so far, uh, and I'm looking forward to much more in the future. So with that said, check out the website, hackers.xxx. Click on the events tab. You'll check out, you'll, you'll be able to see the latest events on our website. And also uh, for more shows, uh, you can listen in on your, hopefully you can listen in on your favorites platform. If not, check out the website, hackers.xxx. Click on the podcast link and you will be treated with almost 100 shows of me talking about a bunch of bullshit. Nevertheless, thanks for tuning in. And um, hope, hopefully uh, you uh, enjoyed something from the show tonight. I, I certainly have my favorite from the show uh, tonight. Definitely from the AT&T archives. Uh, you know, it's kind of made me a little sad, as you can tell. So with that said, have a wonderful week ahead. And I will definitely be back next week for show number 93 until then take care of yourself please use your skills for something good and get outside it's summertime right go cook something out on the grill even if you're vegan put something out on the grill right all right take care i love you all talk to you later bye Yeah.
Gaze out at the Auburn sky 